Hello and welcome back to the Tez News Podcast. I'm your host, Tez Podcast producer Joshua Morris. Each week on this show, I'm joined by some of our brilliant news and analysis team here at Tez as they share the stories they think should be in the spotlight that week. A little bit later on this podcast, I'll be talking to senior editor Gwanya Hallahan as we take a look at why this year's SATS results might not be all they seem and we discuss how schools could benefit from setting up research and development teams. But first, school leaders have warned that their budgets for next year are on a knife edge amid rising costs and uncertainty over teacher pay. The financial impact of the COVID pandemic and ongoing cost of living crisis have created what Askell recently described as a perfect storm of financial pressures. Of course, now this story comes on the heels of the political turbulence in Westminster, and Nadim Zahawi's departure, which has left schools searching for clarity on teacher pay. Callum Mason joins me today to go over this one. Callum, welcome back. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, hot, but good. Good, good stuff. Yeah, so as uh, as Askell said there, it's a perfect storm, really. All of this delay while schools are, you know, trying to sort their budgets out right now. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a, a lot of things sort of converging um, in terms of financial pressures. As you mentioned there, so there's things like energy bills. Um, there are things like high supply costs. Um, and that's sort of the background to this issue that we're looking at. So the issue that, that school leaders have been telling us about this week is setting budgets on teacher pay. Um, so we're expecting an announcement on what teacher pay is going to be um, from next year and the year after um, very, very soon in the next in the next few days or weeks. Um, but what we've been told by school leaders is that at the moment they're sort of having to assume that teacher pay will be in line with the recommendation that the former education secretary Nadim Zahawi um, gave to the school teachers review body. Um, and they're saying that if, because obviously there's a lot of pressure from unions and there's a, there's talks of strikes on, on, on teacher pay rises. And if, if there is a teacher pay rise that is higher than what is expected, um, that's going to be very difficult for their budget budget if it's not funded. Um, so they're saying, the ones we've spoken to have generally said, absolutely, teachers need a need a pay rise, they need a, a decent pay rise. Um, but if if that rise is is beyond what's previously been suggested, then they're going to need more money in order to pay for it because they've got all these other financial pressures in the background as well. Yeah. So where is this hold up at the moment? Is is this something that uh, James Cleverly is going to be able to oversee yeah so it's it's not so much a hold up it does it usually comes around this time each year and it usually comes in july um i think the difficulty this year is because there's so many other pressures on budgets and because there's sort of uncertainty on the level which the pay rise is going to be so usually most years it's pretty clear what it's going to be but at the moment because of this background talk of of if strikes the high level of inflation there is sort of an uncertainty on on how much teacher pay could rise and and therefore how schools are going to be able to fund this um james cleverly said that there are decisions that will need to be made on teacher pay so i think even though he sort of this hasn't been said but he's sort of in a caretaker role in a sense i think the decision is going to have to come from him and i think he's acknowledged that as well yeah so we have another story on pay on the side today suggesting that the country's largest multi-academy trust united learning are looking to increase pay for support staff as they're kind of competing to lure support staff from a shrinking pool right yeah so we've written about this issue with support staff and difficulties that schools have had retaining them and recruiting them 
quite a lot recently, actually. Um, it's becoming a, a big issue with the cost of living crisis and a lot of support staff are in low paid roles. And we've done stories before about how many are sort of leaving for the private sector because they can just get paid more and often have less less stressful jobs. Um, so we've heard from United Learning that they're considering, uh, they're looking into a significant pay rise for support staff. Um, and they're not the only ones. We've spoken to other trusts as well that are considering doing the same thing. And the reason is basically they're saying it's supply and demand. If they can't recruit the right staff um, in those roles, they can't recruit sort of experienced or quality staff, they're just going to have to look at sort of rising rising the pay levels. And that's very difficult with the budgets that we've just been talking about. But I think some some trusts have come to the conclusion that long term, um, it's the right thing to do if they want to retain staff, because obviously there is a cost with constantly having to recruit as well. Um, of course, not all schools are going to be able to afford this. So could this kind of lead to some schools going without support staff as that limited pool is kind of lured away by better pay at another school or maybe even have some, as some have suggested in other sectors such as the commercial sector? I think in the article they specifically mentioned supermarket jobs. Yeah, so a lot of schools have told us that at the moment they do have quite high vacancy levels with support staff. It's They do want to recruit for these jobs, but at the moment it's just proven very difficult. So. So some are actually having high vacancies and they're, they're missing out on, on having staff that they would normally have. And yeah, some have told us, as you say, that they are having staff leave for roles like supermarket jobs as well, just because they, they pay a lot better. Um, they offer sort of more flexible hours in some, in some cases and the staff are deciding that's a better decision for them. And the ones that are raising the, the salaries because they can do are doing so to try and mitigate and, and stop that happening. Well, uh, if you're one of those uh, schools out there budgeting at the moment, make sure to keep an eye on our website, tes.com forward slash magazine. I'm sure as soon as we know 100% what's going on with teacher pay, it will be there on our site. Uh, Callum, thank you again for joining me today. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Josh. Next up, I'm joined by Gwanya Hallahan as we talk SATs and R&D teams at school. Gwanya, welcome back. Hello, thank you for having me. Pleasure as always. Last week, we were talking about SATs. We were kind of talking about the stress that targets put on teachers there, but also a bit about the expected dip in results that we were going to have this year. But Solomon Kingsnorth has written for us this week that those results aren't exactly what they seem. Perhaps they're not as bad as we thought. That's right. So what Solomon's done is he's looked a little bit into the average scaled scores. And when we look at this, it gives us a better idea about where the distribution of, of marks lie within the, the average. So a hundred, if you get 100 in, as an average scaled score, that means that you are working at the expected standards. So they take all the marks and they scale them up to give you this sort of nice, easy average to go 100, anything 100 and above, then you've met the expected standard. So when we look at the average scaled score for the 2022 cohort, it's actually not that bad. And when we look at it compared to previous years, they're actually better than the results that the students got in 2016. So when you take into account the fact that they've had all this disruption and, and, um, and the lockdowns and you know not as much classroom time as previous cohorts, actually, this isn't so bad. And what Solomon explains in his piece is that what we see is when we put this information together with what we know about the percentage of children who reach the expected standard, is that there's probably an awful lot of pupils who are just very near 
that pass mark and then didn't get there. And his argument is, well, every year we have these children who just inch over the line. And what's happened this year is they got up to the line, but they didn't cross over it. And so what we need to do isn't put on these big blanket intervention sessions and, you know, put loads of kids into catch up. What we need to do is something more personalised and work with these pupils with where their gaps in learning are. And for each pupil, it will be slightly different and then work with them trying to trying to address those gaps because actually it's not as bad as you might think and we'll probably be able to make quite good progress with these pupils when they get to secondary school. Mm-hmm. Is it then those kind of moments of personalised teaching where uh, you can sit down with the student and perhaps iron out some gaps in their learning? Is it those moments that have, uh, that have been missing in these last two years? I think because of lockdown, different children would have missed different bits and the, the parts that they've missed out on, which has led to them not achieving the expected standard, will be different depending on you know what they were able to do at home, if they caught coronavirus, what was going on in school when they missed, missed that time off school, and it'll be different for each pupil. And that's why when they get to secondary school, it's really important for those pupils to, to work closely with their teachers and not just to think, right, what we need to do is loads of spelling tests because that's the problem with all of these children because it won't be for many of them. And taking a more personalised approach is, is much better and secondary schools shouldn't be thinking, oh my goodness, like you know, these year sevens, they're, they're going to be in a really, really tough, tough state. It's going to be really challenging. Actually, it's probably not going to be as bad as you might think. And what they really missed out on during the pandemic was things like going on trips, doing workshops, assemblies, performances, and all of that would have really helped with with their oral skills, which helps with their writing. So that's what secondaries should be thinking about, trying to replace the things that we know that all children did miss out on, or that was the sort of cultural capital stuff, really. That's a really important, he just calls that a vital ingredient for um, for year sevens, and that's what that's what secondary schools should be thinking about. Yeah, so secondary schools shouldn't be worrying that they've got a massive job on their hands this next year. Actually, that return to a normal school year with school trips and personalised teaching should be enough to keep them all on track. However, if you're looking to shake up your teaching, then we've got an article for you this week from international principal Mark Steed. Now, he wrote an article for us where he was talking a bit about this idea of setting up research and development teams within your schools. Gronio, what could that look like? Yes. So, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I think about R&D departments, it sort of conjures up ideas of, of people in a laboratory, like experimenting with stuff, <laughs> going up with yeah. like crazy supercars and things like that. And I guess the educational equivalent is just as exciting and cool. So Mark describes things that they've he's tried in his experience, you know, using VR to help with um, Gothic horror writing and um, things like... Uh, taking away GCSEs, doing non-GCSE options and children are set as challenge instead. And they do work and they, they make plans and they work as parts of teams and they, they record that information and they, and they learn. They don't necessarily get a certificate or a GCSE certificate at the end of it, but there's other qualifications that they can gain. Um, Mark talks about getting the PADI diving qualifications or doing the um, the the speech, the lambda qualifications, and just working in a different way. And you know, he he does acknowledge that this is really tricky because, of course, in the UK we are really 
qualification driven. Like our hands are tied by by those kind of external pressures that we have have in schools. But he says, you know, it's it's definitely something that's worth looking at, seeing if if it's something that you could get your teachers on board with. And I think, you know, this is actually really important just from a re- retention point of view. We look at where teachers leave teaching. It's normally around the five year mark that we lose it an awful lot of teachers at that point and what would keep people interested in 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 the classroom perhaps giving teachers a bit of freedom to try new things and try out try different ideas I think it would be quite an exciting prospect of teachers if ever head could find the money to do it you might find yourself having long-term gains from it by retaining staff and improving teaching in your school yeah of course I think a lot of those ideas that he has sound really great, but there is, of course, the practicalities of it as well, like money and time. Of course. And if you're going to ask somebody to do something extra, the next question should always be, well, what what is going to be taken away to allow for that time? So we're definitely not saying this is an easy thing to do and time does need to be created. I think it's one of those, this is a great idea. It's probably worth trying to figure out a way to make it work. And it's worth those sacrifices trying to figure out, you know, how can you get, how can you provide time for teachers to do these things? Because the long term gains will be worth it. Mm -hmm. And one of his ideas about getting these kind of R&D teams to work is to get them to work together to create a network as well, right? And that's a really good idea because, of course, then when you share share the workload out between teachers, then not everyone's having to give up so much of their time and sacrifice so much from you know other areas of their work. And if you're in a in a trust or if you're in a small like group of schools, then that kind of thing does does work well. But then, of course, if you're a more rural school, you don't have those connections. It does make it harder, I suppose. Then we have to grasp those those that gift of technology and can we do these sort of things remotely and would that still have the same same impact it's it's there's definitely solutions out there but it's a head scratcher it's one of those ones where you'd have to figure out a way to make it work because it's not straightforward you've shared some of the great ideas from the article there but there are plenty more in that article as always available on our website tes.com forward slash magazine Gronya, thank you for joining me again today no thank you so much <laughs>